Well, I wanna talk about the presence of God this morning. We've been uh, studying and, and sharing about the presence of the Lord and what that, what that looks like, what that means. We, we talked about how the presence of God uh, often is translated as face. Uh, it's a synonym for face of God, which means that God is actually with you. That he's, he's, he's this close. It's not like he gives a piece of you of himself to you. It's not like it's just his aroma or his essence or you know, a sprinkling of something. Uh, it is actually the Lord is with you. That you are temples of the Holy Spirit. When you come into relationship with Jesus and, uh, and you accept him, the Spirit of God is with you and you are now a host of the Lord. You're hosting his presence. Whether you feel it or not, whether you uh, can uh, uh, get tingling, uh, you know, Holy Ghost goosebumps or not. Some people have called it that. He's with you. And so, um, and so uh, anyway, I, I, I wanna continue on that. Our core values are right behind us. So we're, soon, very soon, we're gonna be starting on, on the prayer and how we believe that prayer is powerful and that God hears our prayers and that healing prayer is powerful. But I just wanna continue just a little bit longer in his presence. And I wanna talk about peace of God in his presence, that there is the peace of God in his presence. A lot of people feel like, you know, they're okay, everything's fine in their life, you know, it's, you, you ask people, you're like, how you doing? I'm great, how are you? Oh, I'm okay, you know, you're like, oh, great, you know, everything's good. And I get that because, you know, you never really wanna share, most people don't even wanna listen, you know, it's kinda like, if you, if you tell them what's really going on, it's gonna take 10 minutes, and, uh, and they just wanted to say hi, you know? <laughs> um, but the reality is, 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 is funny, because when we say I'm okay, it, it really um, is, is, has a lot to do with context. I, I, I wanna share a story uh, of a farmer and a taxi, and this is a fictitious story, so please don't get emotional while I'm telling it. Um, but it is, it is, a, uh, it is, it, it is a really revealing. Uh, there's, the story goes like this, that there was a farmer, old school farmer, walking his uh, uh, horse and cart uh, down the road, and this taxi is, uh, is going uh, over the speed limit. He's, he's being distracted, and he's careening around the road, and he comes into an accident with the farmer. And uh, a few months later, uh, finally goes to court. The uh, farmer sues the taxi cab driver for uh, pain and suffering and damages, and um, when they get to court, the, uh, the taxi driver says, Your Honor, I, I don't even know why we're here. I'm absolutely uh, dumbfounded why this is actually in court. He says, If you actually read the police report of the farmer's statement to the police officer, it says that he was absolutely okay at the accident. And uh, so the farmer says, Well, Your Honor, Your Honor, you have to understand the circumstances. I mean, uh, when that uh, taxi cab hit my car, when the driver hit my, my cart and horse, the horse was pinned up against the cart and was writhing in pain, and so the police officer shot it and put it down. And he said that underneath the cart was the dog. There was a dog there, and it got pinned underneath the cart, and the police officer shot the dog to put it down just to end its suffering. And, and then he walked over to me, and I said, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay can mean a lot of things, can it? Can mean I'm not dead, and don't kill me. 
But when we talk about peace, we think about peace as rest and tranquility, and, and there's truth to that. There is uh, rest and tranquility in, in the peace of God, and oftentimes uh, peace in, in the worldly context and how we understand it in our everyday lives will often mean the absence of conflict, that there's nothing happening, there's no confrontation, there's no conflict, and so we are at peace. And when we think about peace treaties, it's two, two uh, opposing uh, countries who sign an agreement not to fight. Um, but the reality is, is that when you think of peace in that context, it's often very weak, very fragile. You're kind of like, man, I'm never at peace, right? There's always something going on. And I, I want to decipher here the difference between the peace that we understand and the peace of God. And I've shared this before, but it's, it begs reminding before we go forward. Peace of God is different than the peace of this world. We have to understand that. And the peace of God is more powerful and it overcomes uh, chaos. It overcomes uh, uh, a tragedy. It overcomes the, uh, the conflict of this world. You know, when you uh, break down the word shalom, which is peace in Hebrew, it's made of four different letters. And each letter in Hebrew is also a picture. They're, very, they're not just a phonetical uh, uh, language. They're actually pictorial as well as phonetical. So not only does it sound out a word, but the pictures mean something. And what's funny about words is they often change and evolve as time goes on. Sometimes they evolve for the worst and sometimes they evolve for the better. And shalom has evolved into such a beautiful, full, awesome word, meaning nothing missing, nothing broken, total wholeness. That's what shalom means. But words change. You know, shalom actually in the ancient Hebrew had even a more simplistic meaning in addition to it. It became a much fuller word. You know, sometimes like in the English language, I've used this example before, but it's an easy one. I'll use it now. Um, the word awful, when it was created, it's, it's etymology, the word awful, meant to inspire unto awe. It used to mean full of awe. Like I could say like, I don't know, Ethan, bro, your style it's just so awful. It's just really, really is. Really. And what I meant, what it would mean is that, man, it's great. But what it means today is the opposite, right? It means it's horrible, it's horrible. And of course, Ethan, I love your style, man. So good, all right, that's great. Um, but Shalom, um, Shalom in Hebrew is made of four different letters. The first letter, which is a picture in ancient Hebrew, is jagged teeth, and it means to destroy. The second letter is a shepherd's hook, and it means uh, authority. The third letter is literally an attaching letter, and it's a nail, and it means to attach. And the fourth letter is a bunch of waves, and it means chaos. And when you were literally saying shalom in the ancient Hebrew, you were saying to destroy the authority attached to chaos. Because his peace is powerful. Because his peace is not an absence of conflict, it overcomes the conflict. When you're actually praying peace over someone's life, you're not asking them to be still, you're not asking them to accept their situation. What you're actually asking is that God would destroy the authority that's attached to chaos in their life. 
because his peace is powerful. Actually, our whole covenant with God is a symbol of peace. It is called a peace covenant. And I'm gonna explain the simple gospel to you, which I was sharing last night to people on the streets in downtown um, uh, uh, Albuquerque. I actually had the opportunity to go with our evangelism team and we just went down loving on people, praying for people. And why do I wanna explain the simple gospel to a bunch of mostly, hopefully, uh, Christians? Because if we don't hear it enough, then it's hard for us to share it. And we need to hear the gospel so that you can articulate it, so that you can in 30 seconds just tell someone what's it mean to be saved. And and I wanna encourage you that it doesn't have to make perfect sense in terms of logic. It's all the Holy Spirit who convicts. It's the Holy Spirit who brings to light where the scales fall from their eyes and they know that they need Jesus. You're just partnering with the Lord sharing the gospel. And so, obviously, it's a peace covenant. Why? Because God made man. He made mankind in his image, and they were in union together. They were in communion together, and, and man disobeyed God, and, and, it, and, and sin entered the world, and now man took on sin, and now this, this gap between God and man, because God is holy, he's pure, he's someone without sin, and so sin can't be in the presence of God, and so there was this disconnection. The, the children of God are now lost. And so God sends his only son, fully divine and fully human, reincarnate, not reincarnate, uh, uh, incarnate, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So three days rose again, and then 40 days later ascended into heaven. 10 days later, the spirit of God came And now the chasm between God and man has been closed. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, because of his atoning sacrifice, we are forgiven of all sin. And we can enter into eternal salvation. And also heaven can come into us because of this communion now we have with Jesus. This covenant is called a peace covenant. How do these covenants, how does this peace come around? Well, You know, Jesus would talk about um, uh, calling himself the son of God. There's two words used for Jesus. He would, uh, two phrases that would often be called the son of man and the son of God. One, because he was fully divine. Two, because he was fully human. But there was also double meanings in that. And people in the context of, of when Jesus would say it would also understand it. You know who also was called the son of God during Jesus's time? Caesar. Caesar in Rome in that time was called the son of God. So for Jesus to be called the son of God was also taking what Caesar is saying is rightfully his, which was a perversion of the truth and saying, no, it's actually Jesus. Now, Caesar had created this image saying that he was the son of God and and there's also very many similarities of names that he took on that really are attributed to Jesus, but he just you know, try to call himself a deity. And, uh, and, and during the Roman Empire, there's something called the Pax Romana, which is mean, it was like a thousand years of peace according to Rome. Now, the Pax Romana, uh, which is this peaceful time, didn't happen through peace treaties. It happened through Rome doing horrible things and conquering village after village after village through bloodshed, establishing subjugation that was making them have a time of peace. 
And so now when you think of Jesus as the son of God who's saying, no, I'm actually the son of God, and not only that, but I'm gonna bring you into peace. It's not this peace that you think is going to be, see, see, too many of us kind of like think that peace is something where we need to like try to fit things to actually make total uh, uh, synergy in our lives. Like It's like, oh, I'll take this from God, and I'll take this from this other thing, and, and all my circumstances, and I'm just trying to make it all work out so that I could be at peace. And I'm like, that never works. You'll never be at peace. You know, in, uh, in Matthew, we have a verse here, Matthew 5, 9. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The thing about this is that peacemakers are different than peacekeepers. Peacekeepers is where we have uh, uh, somebody who is trying to make every side work out for their own good and for all of them to agree. If you're a peacekeeper, you're probably the most anxious person. I've met peacekeepers. Some, some of them are relational peacekeepers. They're the peacekeeper of their family. They're always trying to listen to everybody and make it all work out and everyone's offended and you're like trying to go, come on guys, can't we just get along, right? And it's like, it's like the peacekeeper uh, is the person who's anxious or literal peacekeepers that are actually working through our world and through society trying to make people come into an agreement and, uh, and it often fails. But a peacemaker is different than a peacekeeper. See, a peacemaker in the godly context is not just making everybody agree, but it's actually making everyone's heart conquered by Jesus. Look at Colossians 3.15. I love this verse. It says this. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. That word rule is there on purpose. See, instead of trying to make God fit into every aspect of your life and so that it would work to your advantage, surrender everything to him and let him rule. This is the peace that Christ has to offer. Not so that it can just fit into your life, but actually you can walk and surrender to him and feel his peace come upon you. It's a different way of thinking. Instead of thinking, how can I make my, how can, how can God work in my life? It's like, no, how can God rule in my life? What can I give him that I've been just holding on to and now I'm not, at, I'm trying to be a peacekeeper and he wants to be a peacemaker. He wants to be like, Paul, simmer down. See, th oftentimes we think like peace is something we need to bring into subjugation. We're like, okay, if I can control this peace in this moment, then I will be able to move in peace. And the reality is it's no. Peace needs to rule through Christ over your life. You need to come into subjugation. I need to come into subjugation to what Christ has to offer to me. This is the opportunity we have when we can access the presence of God. God's never, never left us nor forsaken us. He is with us. And the reality is, is that oftentimes, we leave, we leave our, sometimes we leave where we apostatize, where we actually, some, sometimes people unfortunately fall away so much that they actually deny their faith and they don't wanna have a relationship with God and they lose their salvation. They are no longer 
with and walking with the Lord. It's such a sad thing to see. That happens. Sometimes people do that and, um, and I pray for them that God would, would draw them back and that they would come to know Jesus. But there's often times where we stay in covenant with God, we still believe that he's our Lord and that he's our savior, but we're not communing with him. We kind of left his presence at the door. We're not accessing everything he's provided for us. You know, you can be married and not be in relationship. You can have a covenant before man and before God with another person, be in relationship, be in that marital covenant and, and not talk to them very much, not have a have not date them, not, not court them, not continue to have relationship with them. And so uh, I've seen it where people can be in marital covenant, but actually not in communion. The thing is, is that when we realize that this covenant is for life, for eternity, we need to step into it and access everything that God's given to us. By actually communing with him, being with him, I love this verse, John 14, 27. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, so let not your, heart be, uh, your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is a powerful verse. Why? Because Jesus is, is, is um, saying that my peace is a transference of anointing from my life to yours. That this peace that the world talks about is not the peace that I'm giving you. This peace will rule in your hearts. This peace will be able to be in the forefront of who I am for your life. And you'll be able to go into all the world and make disciples of nations. And, and, and this, think about this, guys. All these disciples, except for one, get martyred horribly. But they boldly get martyred for their faith. How could this be that they would go into some of the hardest places, they would experiencing some of the worst persecutions that we can't even imagine? I mean, we know about Apostle Peter, right? He was crucified upside down because he didn't wanna be crucified in the same way his Lord was, so he, he asked them to do it upside down. I mean, he didn't do that because it wasn't hard or because there wasn't suffering he was able to do it with suffering and hardship because he let the peace of Christ rule his heart and walk through it because his peace is powerful, because his presence, in his presence, you can have his peace. He's for you. It's something you can access. Are we gonna be surrendering our hearts? Are we gonna let Christ rule in our hearts so that we can actually experience this peace he's offering us. The reality is, is that some of us have gotten this wrong wired concept of, of judging and measuring uh, atmospheres. Some of us, including myself, might be like expert atmosphere measurers. What do I mean by that? You're like, you walk into a situation and you're a, you're a thermometer, you're like, oh, this is chaos. This is a bad situation. This is chaos. This is this is a this situation is is um, you know there's darkness here. You know I was walking up and down. Uh, I don't I forget the street. What's the street with the is it Constitution? We were running up and down. Where's Patrick? What's that? 
Central, Central. We were running up and down Central Street. Man, you see some crazy stuff uh, at 11 o'clock at night uh, when they're celebrating, they were celebrating St. Patty's Day. There was like a little kind of like a scheduled thing that the city had and, and, and there's some deep darkness. And so it was, you know, if, if I only focus on being thermometer, I'm like, this is dark. They got problems. Look at that person, you know, like I, I could be an expert in this area. And some of us are like, I don't want to go there because it makes my, my, my thermometer feel darkness. I don't want to go in that space. Imagine if the disciples carried out their life that way. Hey, guys, let's just be interior. Let's just, let's just stay in this upper room. I mean, look what happened in this upper room. Let's just stay here. You know, there's peace here. You know what I mean? Like, there's goodness here. The Holy Spirit's here. Fire, power. Let's just keep, let's just keep this going. Imagine if they did that. You know, it's too dark out there. There's hardship out there. There's persecution out there. There's, there's like, you know, we gotta talk to people we don't know out there. And that makes me feel funny and awkward, and I don't like that. Socially awkward telling Romans about Jesus. <laughs> don't like it. I'm interrupting their day. Imagine if the disciples acted that way. No, Jesus has called us to be thermostats in Paul's version. In my version. I mean, thermostats is not in the Bible here. What, are, what, is, what, are, what do I mean by that? Well, you don't just measure a temperature. You say, okay, God, how can we release your presence in this area so that this chaos comes into order? How can we release your presence so that this stressful situation comes into order? God, how do we be peace? Makers in this circumstance, in this area of my, my work, my family, my life, my job. God, how do I invite you in this place and release it right now? Would you give me the understanding to do that? And Lord, as I turn my affections towards you, you know, my, my, I've been in a lot of stressful circumstances. Pastoring has taken it to a whole new level. It's been great. <laughs> Pastoring's so easy, except for all the people that are involved in it. If there was no people, it'd be like, a breeze. No, just kidding. I love you. I love you all, by the way. Um, it's just a different level of, of stress, and you 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 know, and you get used to it. And there, and there, and things that I try to do in my own strength, I can see my stress level just like go higher and higher. Not that I'm like getting angry. It's just like weightier and harder. And then the Lord reminds me, you need to surrender all this to me. This isn't. This isn't for you to carry. You just do what I say and surrender every area. So instead of trying to make things work in the way I think they should do, I try to let the Lord lead me and then surrender all the things that come to him in there. And I said, look, God, you're just, I'm letting you rule my heart. I'm letting you rule this circumstance. And so being a thermostat is often uh, what we need to do is allow the Holy Spirit to come in us, flow through us, and release his peace. Uh, Luke 7.50, Jesus says this. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Luke 8.48, then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. In Luke 10.5, I love this verse. But whatever house you enter, First say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Wow. 
Jesus is saying what he's given us, when he was sending out the disciples two by two, he was saying, you can bless a house with the peace of God. You can actually become a conduit for the power and the presence of the peace of God to be over a house. Man, some of us, we have circumstances in our family and in our homes, and I feel like God wants to like, to give to to remind you to use your authority that he's giving you to declare peace over your home when chaos rises up say you know i ban this chaos and i just welcome the peace of god when people walk through the threshold of my door in my house may all chaos be banned and peace come in and some of it i like you know like if, if we can just be real for a second um you know sometimes there's things that are going on in our house where we've let open doors Stay open. We're kind of like, you know, we, we've compromised in certain areas of our life. And, and I've gone through this where the Lord's kind of like brought to my memory like, hey, do you really think this is a good idea? What you're letting into your home? You know, you're like, wow, God, yeah. Wait, can, we, can we protect what we look at, what we're listening to? Can we create and, and, and not just create, but welcome the atmosphere of heaven in our homes? And say, you know what, enemy? I'm not gonna let you come into my home this way. I mean, like, even gossip. You know, it's easy to gossip, and you're like, oh, it's just to my spouse. Well, gossip's gossip. If it's not for benefiting and lifting them up and, 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 and to see the gold in somebody, then it's not, it's not worth even letting the gossip seep into your home. But his peace is so powerful and his peace is so available in his presence. I love in the beginning of the Bible where it talks about the spirit of God hovering over the chaos of the deep. That the spirit of God, when he hovers over chaos, brings order. It's this conquering peace. It's this peace that breaks up everything that is um, not of him and brings it into right order. You know, what's crazy is sometimes when people get radically saved or they dedicate their life back to Jesus, one of the first things they do is clean their room. I've seen it happen. They get saved and they're like, I went home and I cleaned my room and I cleaned my house and I put things in order. It's like, it's, it's just a manifestation of God creating order out of chaos in your life. It's like you're, you're bringing things into alignment because now you're seeing how heaven sees. And now you're walking in this peace that's so available. But sometimes we just forget to access it. I mean, I experience this even in my own home. You know, Ruth and I have young children. We have a six-year-old, a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And every child, as they got younger, they had a a higher pitch in their scream. I don't understand it. My daughter, if you've ever watched my youngest daughter and some of you who've been in the children's ministry have helped out, my daughter, when she gets uh, hurt or angry or whatever, she cries at this level that ears are not supposed to hear. And it hurts. I mean, it's like, I, I'm like, I gotta leave because I can't, I can't tolerate this. Actually, if you guys don't know this, uh, if you have an Apple Watch, the Apple Watch has a setting, which Ruth and I have, which tells you if you're in an area where the decibels are too loud. 
and over four times our Apple Watches have dinged while my daughter was crying and said, you are damaging your ears. You need to turn it down or leave. Can you believe that? That's how bad it is. And I try not to give in to things, but when she hits that like certain decibel, it's like, okay, you can have that lollipop. You know, I don't know. Let Ruth, let Ruth deal with the, uh, the circumstance. But when, when chaos is happening in my home, you know, it's, it's oftentimes that you, you never really get away with uh, this tranquility piece without it being balanced out by some sort of chaos. Like, for instance, Ruth and I might be having this wonderful chat in the kitchen and everything seems so peaceful, like we're uninterrupted, which is very rare. And it's just like, this is amazing. And then I find out later that my kids were, you know, getting out the markers and coloring on the walls. And, and, like, and I'm like, what happened? Like, when the kids are quiet, that's also a bad sign for some reason. Um, when they're quiet by themselves and you haven't helped them, you know, get a craft started, you know, that's like, uh-oh, what's really going down? But the reality is, even in so simple, you know, funny family situations like that, when things are so chaotic and things are so stressful, I'm just like, I'm, I refuse to accept the chaos in front of me. And I'm like, God, how can we establish your kingdom here? How can we allow peace to reign in this moment? Let's not submit to the temptation to stray from the presence of God and stray from the peace that he can give us in any circumstance. It's so important for our lives. It's so important as we access the presence of God that his peace would be with us. You know, I find that even uh, just circumstantially, sometimes uh, the, the craziest spirits that start manifesting when God's peace is present is the religious spirit. You know, even when it came to Jesus, the Sadducees, the Pharisees would try to, you know, defeat him in their, in their tra- entrapments with things. And, and, and Jesus called them like vicious vipers, you know, stonewashed tombs, you know, all, all clean on the outside. On the inside, they're dead inside. And, and, and the reality is that oftentimes I find that when I'm at peace, when I have the peace of God reigning and there is a circumstance that is so chaotic, we encounter it. And I'm like, they're actually upset that I'm at peace. They're upset that I'm walking in what God has to offer. And the reality is, is, is um, sometimes it'll, it'll make the religious spirit just rear its head because they want you to agree with the chaos that they're running in or their offense that they're running in. And the reality is you just say, I'm not gonna run in that offense or chaos, but I'll tell you what God has to offer. We can let him rule our hearts right now in this moment. We can actually surrender our offense. We can surrender even when we think we're right. We can say, you know what, I think I'm right. I don't know if I'm wrong, but I'm actually gonna surrender this offense and let Christ rule my heart. When people cut me off while I'm driving, when these New Mexican drivers, man, <laughs> run in red lights, I just, it's a whole new level out here whole new level. I was merging and, and someone decided to say hi with me with individual fingers. And I was like, 
what in the world? And oh man, the temptation to honk the horn and speed up next to them. And, and, and I'm like, all right, Lord, number one, you're with me. Number two, I'm a pastor. This isn't gonna look good. But the, the reality is, is, is saying, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, even when I'm right, I'm not gonna come into agreement with the offense. I'm gonna let your peace rule in my heart, God. God, I'm gonna bless them. You know what's amazing? When his peace rules in your heart, all of a sudden, the people that you're offended at, you're starting to bless. You're like, God, be with them. God, help them. May your blessing and favor be upon their life. It's like the perception that God has also becomes your perception. And now, instead of fighting God, you're allowing him to rule your heart with peace. It's a different way of living your life. It's a supernatural way of living your life. Why don't you stand? I know if I ask 99% of you this morning before I preach today, you would say, I'm okay. (laughs) Maybe you are. But I know there's different levels of that. There's areas of our life we're totally surrendered in peace to God. But as Ruth was saying this, this morning, we need to surrender our whole heart. We need to surrender every area or else we're not gonna walk in that totality of peace that he's offered us. That means even surrendering dreams we think have failed. That means we're surrendering process time that we think is taking too long. That means a surrendering things that we think we're so right about in our relationships that we're still fighting to show everyone how right we are. Surrender it. Allow his peace to come and invade you. Allow the king of peace, the prince of peace, the son of God, come and rule your heart. I just wanna encourage you just to close your eyes and invite you to close your eyes and as, as I pray for us as a church for the anointing of peace to come upon us as we steward his presence. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us, that you're with us. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be temples of the Holy Spirit. As the Apostle Paul writes, that we get to steward you. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would breathe peace into our hearts and into our minds. It says the peace of God guards our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Lord, I, I pray that we would surrender. We just say, God, we surrender. We say you be the king of our heart. We wanna let your peace, your kingdom reign in our circumstance. We just give it to you. We're done fighting. We're done fighting for what we think we need to fight for. And we just, we're gonna surrender this whole thing. These past two years, oh man, we surrender it to you. Everyone who thinks they're right about these past two years, just surrender it to him. Stop fighting a fight that he's not called us to fight. And surrender. Allow his peace to invade your heart. I've prayed this before, but also I just pray, God, that you would heal people 
in their minds who have memories associated with trauma, that no longer these traumatic memories would trigger a traumatic response, that God, that they would be able to walk in the freedom and the peace that you have to offer. We just come against the enemy's torment right now in the name of Jesus, who tries to speak lies over their life and we just break it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We just command the enemy go now in Jesus' name. And we speak truth over them, that they're children of God, that you've set them free. Lord, I pray you break bondages, God. Bondages of anger, bondages of self-righteousness, bondages of lust, bondages of gossip. God, we surrender it all to you because we need the peace that you have to offer it. And without letting you conquer our hearts, we won't have that peace. So come, Holy Spirit, invade us with your peace. I come against night terrors in Jesus' name. Lord, I speak rest in, the, in their night. Lord, that the night would be a moment that your spirit would minister to them and that the enemy would not have a foothold to try to torment them in the night. So we speak peace right now, even as they sleep, that your peace would rule. And Lord, I pray that you would convert us to thermostats, that yes, we can recognize when a place is chaotic and a place is dark and a place is in an area that's bad, and you would also use us to release your presence and your God-given solutions and your peacemaking abilities in every area. Lord, I pray that you would heal, physically heal mental illness. Any issues of the brain that's causing us to think wrong, causing us to feel feelings that aren't of you. Lord, I pray there would be healing that would take place. And we ban lies of the enemy that are coming against the mind. We break it in Jesus' name. Lord, we just lift up our uh, dear sister and her family, Marianne Hunt, and her son-in-law, Daniel. God, I just thank you for your healing power that's present. I speak healing over his body in Jesus' name. We speak healing and life over him in the name of Jesus. We just command his body come back to life in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for our sister Diana, who's in the Ukraine right now, bringing her mother back. Lord, we thank you for your protection. We thank you for the peace of God that can reign over their lives as they're moving and traveling. Lord, I pray that you would uh, encase them in your, your peace, Lord, that wherever they're going, they can know that your peace is with them. We thank you for their safe return. In Jesus' name, amen. We wanna open up the altars here, our prayer ministry team. I wanna invite you right now, just come right now as I'm talking. If you need healing in your body, if you need deliverance from anything that you're struggling with, if you just need someone to pray with you, to walk with you a difficult time, come forward and pray with some of these prayer ministers who are, I'm speaking in faith, are coming up here right now. And um, we wanna pray with you. If you wanna give your life to Jesus, if you wanna rededicate your life to Jesus, one of the most amazing things you can do, come and surrender your heart to walk you through a prayer 
and, and celebrate that with you. Other than that, bless you guys. Have a, an amazing week. I'm sorry I'm going to miss you next week, and I wish I could be here. Richie's my favorite person to receive from. And so um, just come, invite your friends. It'll be a wonderful time. Other than that, bless you guys. Have an amazing week, and we'll see you when we get back. Take care.